Plural Marriage in Kirtland and Nauvoo, March 2023. Latter-day Saints believe that monogamy, the marriage of one man and one woman, is the Lord's standing law of marriage. In biblical times, the Lord commanded some of his people to practice plural marriage, the marriage of one man and more than one woman. Some early members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints also received and obeyed this commandment given through God's prophets. After receiving a revelation commanding him to practice plural marriage, Joseph Smith married multiple wives and introduced the practice to close associates. This principle was among the most challenging aspects of the Restoration, for Joseph personally and for other church members. Plural marriage tested faith and provoked controversy and opposition. Few Latter-day Saints initially welcomed the restoration of a biblical practice entirely foreign to their sensibilities, but many later testified of powerful spiritual experiences that helped them overcome their hesitation and gave them courage to accept this practice. Although the Lord commanded the adoption, and later the cessation, of plural marriage in the latter days, he did not give exact instructions on how to obey the commandment. Significant social and cultural changes often include misunderstandings and difficulties. Church leaders and members experienced these challenges as they heeded the command to practice plural marriage, and again later as they worked to discontinue it after church president Wilford Woodruff issued an inspired statement known as the Manifesto in 1890, which led to the end of plural marriage in the church. Through it all, church leaders and members sought to follow God's will. Many details about the early practice of plural marriage are unknown. Plural marriage was introduced among the early saints incrementally, and participants were asked to keep their actions confidential. They did not discuss their experiences publicly or in writing until after the Latter-day Saints had moved to Utah and church leaders had publicly acknowledged the practice. The historical record of early plural marriage is therefore thin. Few records of the time provide details, and later reminiscences are not always reliable. Some ambiguity will always accompany our knowledge about this issue. Like the participants, we see through a glass darkly and are asked to walk by faith. The Beginnings of Plural Marriage in the Church The revelation on plural marriage was not written down until 1843, but its early verses suggest that part of it emerged from Joseph Smith's study of the Old Testament in 1831. People who knew Joseph well later stated he received the revelation about that time. The revelation, recorded in Doctrine and Covenants 132, states that Joseph prayed to know why God justified Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, and Solomon in having many wives. The Lord responded that he had commanded them to enter into the practice. Latter-day Saints understood that they were living in the latter days in what the revelations called the dispensation of the fullness of times. Ancient principles, such as prophets, priesthood, and temples, would be restored to the earth. Plural marriage was one of those ancient principles. Polygamy had been permitted for millennia in many cultures and religions, but, with few exceptions, was rejected in Western cultures. In Joseph Smith's time, monogamy was the only legal form of marriage in the United States. Joseph knew the practice of plural marriage would stir up public ire. After receiving the commandment, he taught a few associates about it, but he did not spread this teaching widely in the 1830s. When God commands a difficult task, he sometimes sends additional messengers to encourage his people to obey. Consistent with this pattern, Joseph told associates that an angel appeared to him three times between 1834 and 1842 and commanded him to proceed with plural marriage when he hesitated to move forward. During the third and final appearance, the angel came with a drawn sword, threatening Joseph with destruction unless he went forward and obeyed the commandment fully. Fragmentary evidence suggests that Joseph Smith acted on the angel's first command by marrying a plural wife, Fanny Alger, in Kirtland, Ohio, in the mid-1830s. 
Several Latter-day Saints who had lived in Kirtland reported decades later that Joseph Smith had married Alger, who lived and worked in the Smith household after he had obtained her consent and that of her parents. Little is known about this marriage, and nothing is known about the conversations between Joseph and Emma regarding Alger. After the marriage with Alger ended in separation, Joseph seems to have set the subject of plural marriage aside until after the church moved to Nauvoo, Illinois. Plural Marriage and Eternal Marriage The same revelation that taught of plural marriage was part of a larger revelation given to Joseph Smith, that marriage could last beyond death, and that eternal marriage was essential to inheriting the fullness that God desires for his children. As early as 1840, Joseph Smith privately taught Apostle Parley P. Pratt that the heavenly order allowed Pratt and his wife to be together for time and all eternity. Joseph also taught that men like Pratt, who had remarried following the death of his first wife, could be married or sealed to their wives for eternity under the proper conditions. The sealing of husband and wife for eternity was made possible by the restoration of priesthood keys and ordinances. On April 3, 1836, the Old Testament prophet Elijah appeared to Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery in the Kirtland Temple and restored the priesthood keys necessary to perform ordinances for the living and the dead, including sealing families together. Marriages performed by priesthood authority could link loved ones to each other for eternity on condition of righteousness. Marriages performed without this authority would end at death. Marriage performed by priesthood authority meant that the procreation of children and perpetuation of families would continue into the eternities. Joseph Smith's revelation on marriage declared that the continuation of the seeds forever and ever helped to fulfill God's purposes for his children. This promise was given to all couples who were married by priesthood authority and were faithful to their covenants. By the late 1700s, romance and personal choice began to rival these traditional motives and practices. By Joseph Smith's time, many couples insisted on marrying for love, as he and Emma did when they eloped against her parents' wishes. Latter-day Saints' motives for plural marriage were often more religious than economic or romantic. Besides the desire to be obedient, a strong incentive was the hope of living in God's presence with family members. In the revelation on marriage, the Lord promised participants crowns of eternal lives and exaltation in the eternal worlds. Men and women, parents and children, ancestors and progeny were to be sealed to each other, their commitment lasting into the eternities, consistent with Jesus' promise that priesthood ordinances performed on earth could be bound in heaven. The first plural marriage in Nauvoo took place when Louisa Beeman and Joseph Smith were sealed in April 1841. Joseph married many additional wives and authorized other Latter-day Saints to practice plural marriage. The practice spread slowly at first. By June 1844, when Joseph died, approximately 29 men and 50 women had entered into plural marriage, in addition to Joseph and his wives. When the Saints entered the Salt Lake Valley in 1847, at least 196 men and 521 women had entered into plural marriages. Participants in these early plural marriages pledged to keep their involvement confidential, though they anticipated a time when the practice would be publicly acknowledged. Nevertheless, rumors spread. A few men unscrupulously used these rumors to seduce women to join them in an unauthorized practice, sometimes referred to as spiritual wifery. When this was discovered, the men were cut off from the church. The rumors prompted members and leaders to issue carefully worded denials that denounced spiritual wifery and polygamy, but were silent about what Joseph Smith and others saw as divinely mandated celestial plural marriage. The statements emphasized that the church practiced no marital law other than monogamy, while implicitly leaving open the possibility that individuals under direction of God's living prophet might do so. Joseph Smith and Plural Marriage 
During the era in which plural marriage was practiced, Latter-day Saints distinguished between sealings for time and eternity and sealings for eternity only. Sealings for time and eternity included commitments and relationships during this life, generally including the possibility of sexual relations. Eternity-only sealings indicated relationships in the next life alone. Evidence indicates that Joseph Smith participated in both types of sealings. The exact number of women to whom he was sealed in his lifetime is unknown because the evidence is fragmentary. Some of the women who were sealed to Joseph Smith later testified that their marriages were for time and eternity, while others indicated that their relationships were for eternity alone. Most of those sealed to Joseph Smith were between 20 and 40 years of age at the time of their sealing to him. The oldest, Fanny Young, was 56 years old. The youngest was Helen Mar Kimball, daughter of Joseph's close friends, Heber C. and Violet Marie Kimball, who was sealed to Joseph several months before her 15th birthday. Marriage at such an age, inappropriate by today's standards, was legal in that era, and some women married in their mid-teens. Helen Mar Kimball spoke of her sealing to Joseph as being for eternity alone, suggesting that the relationship did not involve sexual relations. After Joseph's death, Helen remarried and became an articulate defender of him and of plural marriage. Following his marriage to Louisa Beeman and before he married other single women, Joseph Smith was sealed to a number of women who were already married. Neither these women nor Joseph explained much about these sealings, though several women said they were for eternity alone. Other women left no records, making it unknown whether their sealings were for time and eternity or were for eternity alone. There are several possible explanations for this practice. These sealings may have provided a way to create an eternal bond or link between Joseph's family and other families within the church. These ties extended both vertically from parent to child and horizontally from one family to another. Today, such eternal bonds are achieved through the temple marriages of individuals who are also sealed to their own birth families, in this way linking families together. Joseph Smith's sealings to women already married may have been an early version of linking one family to another. In Nauvoo, most, if not all, of the first husbands seem to have continued living in the same household with their wives during Joseph's lifetime, and complaints about these sealings with Joseph Smith are virtually absent from the documentary record. These sealings may also be explained by Joseph's reluctance to enter plural marriage because of the sorrow it would bring to his wife, Emma. He may have believed that sealings to married women would comply with the Lord's command without requiring him to have normal marriage relationships. This could explain why, according to Lorenzo Snow, the angel reprimanded Joseph for having demurred on plural marriage even after he had entered into the practice. After this rebuke, according to this interpretation, Joseph returned primarily to sealings with single women. Another possibility is that, in an era when lifespans were shorter than they are today, faithful women felt an urgency to be sealed by priesthood authority. Several of these women were married either to non-Mormons or former Mormons, and more than one of the women later expressed unhappiness in their present marriages. Living in a time when divorce was difficult to obtain, these women may have believed a sealing to Joseph Smith would give them blessings they might not otherwise receive in the next life. The women who united with Joseph Smith in plural marriage risked reputation and self-respect in being associated with a principle so foreign to their culture and so easily misunderstood by others. I made a greater sacrifice than to give my life, said Zina Huntington Jacobs, for I never anticipated again to be looked upon as an honorable woman. Nevertheless, she wrote, I searched the scripture and by humble prayer to my heavenly father, I obtained a testimony for myself. After Joseph's death, most of the women sealed him moved to Utah with the saints, remained faithful church members, and defended both plural marriage and Joseph.
Joseph and Emma. Plural marriage was difficult for all involved. For Joseph Smith's wife, Emma, it was an excruciating ordeal. Records of Emma's reactions to plural marriage are sparse. She left no first-hand accounts, making it impossible to reconstruct her thoughts. Joseph and Emma loved and respected each other deeply. After he had entered into plural marriage, he poured out his feelings in his journal for his beloved Emma, whom he described as undaunted, firm, and unwavering, unchangeable, affectionate Emma. After Joseph's death, Emma kept a lock of his hair in a locket she wore around her neck. Emma approved, at least for a time, of four of Joseph Smith's plural marriages in Nauvoo, and she accepted all four of those wives into her household. She may have approved of other marriages as well, but Emma likely did not know about all of Joseph's ceilings. She vacillated in her view of plural marriage, at some point supporting it and at other times denouncing it. In the summer of 1843, Joseph Smith dictated the Revelation on Marriage, a lengthy and complex text containing both glorious promises and stern warnings, some directed at Emma. The Revelation instructed women and men that they must obey God's laws and commands in order to receive the fullness of his glory. The Revelation on Marriage required that a wife give her consent before her husband could enter into plural marriage. Nevertheless, toward the end of the Revelation, the Lord said that if the first wife received not this law, the command to practice plural marriage, the husband would be exempt from the law of Sarah, presumably the requirement that the husband gain the consent of the first wife before marrying additional women. After Emma opposed plural marriage, Joseph was placed in an agonizing dilemma, forced to choose between the will of God and the will of his beloved Emma. He may have thought Emma's rejection of plural marriage exempted him from the law of Sarah. Her decision to receive not this law permitted him to marry additional wives without her consent. Because of Joseph's early death and Emma's decision to remain in Nauvoo and not discuss plural marriage after the church moved west, many aspects of their story remain known only to the two of them. Trial and Spiritual Witness Years later in Utah, participants in Nauvoo plural marriage discussed their motives for entering into the practice. God declared in the Book of Mormon that monogamy was the standard. At times, however, he commanded plural marriage so his people could raise up seed unto him. Plural marriage did result in an increased number of children born to believing parents. Some saints also saw plural marriage as a redemptive process of sacrifice and spiritual refinement. According to Helen Marr Kimball, Joseph Smith stated that the practice of this principle would be the hardest trial the saints would ever have to test their faith. Though it was one of the severest trials of her life, she testified that it had also been one of the greatest blessings. Her father, Heber C. Kimball, agreed. I never felt more sorrowful, he said, of the moment he learned of plural marriage in 1841. I wept days. I had a good wife. I was satisfied. The decision to accept such a wrenching trial usually came only after earnest prayer and intense soul-searching. Brigham Young said that, upon learning of plural marriage, it was the first time in my life that I had desired the grave. I had to pray unceasingly, he said, and I had to exercise faith, and the Lord revealed to me the truth of it, and that satisfied me. Heber C. Kimball found comfort only after his wife, Violet, had a visionary experience attesting to the rightness of plural marriage. She told me, Violet's daughter later recalled, she never saw so happy a man as father was when she described the vision and told him she was satisfied and knew it was from God. Lucy Walker recalled her inner turmoil when Joseph Smith invited her to become his wife. Every feeling of my soul revolted against it, she wrote. 
Yet, after several restless nights on her knees in prayer, she found relief as her room filled with a holy influence akin to brilliant sunshine. She said, My soul was filled with a calm, sweet peace that I never knew, and supreme happiness took possession of my whole being. Not all had such experiences. Some Latter-day Saints rejected the principle of plural marriage and left the church, while others declined to enter the practice but remained faithful. Nevertheless, for many women and men, initial revulsion and anguish was followed by struggle, resolution, and ultimately light and peace. Sacred experiences enabled the saints to move forward in faith. Conclusion The challenge of introducing a principle as controversial as plural marriage is almost impossible to overstate. A spiritual witness of its truthfulness allowed Joseph Smith and other Latter-day Saints to accept this principle. Difficult as it was, the introduction of plural marriage in Nauvoo did indeed raise up seed unto God. A substantial number of today's members descend through faithful Latter-day Saints who practiced plural marriage. Church members no longer practice plural marriage. Consistent with Joseph Smith's teachings, the church permits a man whose wife has died to be sealed to another woman when he remarries. Moreover, members are permitted to perform ordinances on behalf of deceased men and women who married more than once on earth, sealing them to all of the spouses to whom they were legally married. The precise nature of these relationships in the next life is not known, and many family relationships will be sorted out in the life to come. Latter-day Saints are encouraged to trust in our wise Heavenly Father, who loves his children and does all things for their growth and salvation.